0: Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. I know that a lot of us come into church we've had a long week some of us some of us have had just the best week ever Um, but I want for you to know that whatever burdens you have whatever problems exist in your life right now whatever you're dealing with the blood of Jesus Christ is enough for you. I'm going to read a few verses for you this morning to encourage you in your worship. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently And we joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Will you stand with us this morning as we confidently look forward to sharing in God's glory. Leave those burdens at the altar. Trust and have faith that his blood is enough for you. And let's worship him and let's praise him this morning. God, we thank you that you are God. God, we thank you that you know way more than we do. God, our feeble minds cannot understand and cannot comprehend your awesomeness and your goodness. God, despite the things that we go through in life, despite the burdens that we carry on our shoulders, God, you said, I am enough. I am the final upgrade. And God, this morning as we come to you and we worship you, God, those burdens lift off of our shoulders, God, as we raise our hands to the Father who is not ashamed to be our father. And God, we thank you. We thank you as we worship you wholeheartedly this morning. Lay lay your burdens at the altar and let God take over. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.
1: We're going to continue with our worship as we partake of communion this morning as we're about to partake of communion this is a meal that Jesus did with his disciples and even though it's one of the directives Jesus has given for us to eat the bread and drink from the cup communion does not save us so this morning I want to take a few minutes to explain the gospel message of Christ. So often, people have a standard of the way that they judge people. And we try to determine if this person is worthy or if that person is worthy. And we think that because we're good people, God will give us a special reward. And some people think that because They're honest and they live by the rules of kindness that they have earned their salvation. And some people believe that because they attend church and are members of a church and that they take communion, that they've earned their salvation. Beloved, I want you to understand something this morning. That may be good in our eyes, but that's not how God sees it. I stand before you this morning to tell you that we don't serve, we don't have a weak, deluded gospel. We're not connected to religious formalities. Instead, we serve a God that has called us out of darkness into a relationship with him. We don't serve a God that sits in heaven, biting his nails when we bring our problems to him. We serve a God that has all power in his hands. We serve a father who has made a way for us to escape destruction and death. He has prepared an escape way for us. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says Jesus is our Passover. Mm -hmm. What the blood of the lamb did in Israel in the Old Testament is what the blood of Jesus has done for us. The blood of the lamb was smeared over the doorposts of each family so that when the death angel passed when the death angel came, it would pass over that house because the blood was smeared over the doorposts. They were saved by the blood.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes. we're saved by the blood this morning because of Jesus. Yes. If you are here this morning and you think you're going to heaven because you're a nice person or because you do good deeds or you're an Eagle Scout or a preacher or you belong to your parents' church I want you to know that none of those answers will get you into heaven the gospel message is that Jesus was born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit he was Mary's baby but he was also Mary's God. He was a man, and he was God. Born of a woman begotten of the Father. For 33 years, he lived here on this earth as a sinless person. Jesus is holy. People try to deny their need for God's forgiveness by diminishing the holiness and the justice of God by magnifying their own goodness and their merits. They think that surely God is love and a loving God would not send a good person like me to hell. But the Bible is clear that God is absolutely holy and just and he will punish sins. He loves, his love does not set aside his holiness and justice. For the scripture says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. The Bible says that God has prepared a way for us It says, Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's justice demanded payment for a penalty, which is death. But he became like us so that we could become like him. He was beaten 39 times. He shed his blood on our behalf. He was hung on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. But on that third day, on that third day, he got up with all power in his hand. That's the gospel. It's the blood of Jesus that has set us free. For the flesh of the for the life of is in the flesh, but He has made His atonement for our souls. It's the blood of Jesus that gives power to the gospel message. It's the blood of Jesus that gives power to our salvation. One drop of the blood of Jesus can transform the soul of a sinner. Yes the only way you and I will enter the kingdom of God is because our soul has been smeared with the blood of Jesus. His blood shed for for our dead sins. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us the keeping power to live in this world. It's the blood of Jesus that brings deliverance to our tormented mind. It's the blood of Jesus that gives healing to our lives. Woo! Glory! Without the blood of Jesus, there is no remission for sins. The blood of Jesus is good news for us this morning. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, I want to, I'm going to sum this up, but I want to tell you this morning about three lives. John chapter 3, there was a man by the name of Nicodemus, and he went to Jesus at, at, at night, wanting to know, who is this man? Who is this man that can do such good works? So he asked Jesus, how is it that a man can be born again? And Jesus says to him, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Glory. Then I want to tell you about the thief on the cross. He looked out. He and his buddies, Jesus hanging in the middle of them. His buddy scorns Jesus and talks about, if you are such a man of God, if you're so powerful, why can't you come down and save yourself and save us? But that thief, that thief said, look, We are getting our just reward. But this man has done nothing. He looks at Jesus. He says, Lord, remember me. Uh Remember me. Uh Jesus says, this day you shall be with me in paradise. And I want to tell you about the third person. That third person was me. Church going, ushering, choir singing devil. God got a hold of me. Changed my life. Changed my life, battling with this depression, angry, but God took a hold of God, a, a change in my life. Yes. The blood of Jesus smeared over me, caused me to be transformed that I'm no longer who I used to be. Yes. And I say to you this morning, I don't know where you are with your walk with Christ. I don't even know if you believe in Christ, but I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning before we partake of communion yes. to say, Look, I want to make this thing right. I want to get right with God. Because you're not entering into the kingdom of God no other way except by the blood of the Lamb. So this morning, you have an opportunity to make Christ your life. Let's just take a few moments. I want you to pause, settle in yourselves, and just have a few moments of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, you know the people, you know each of their names, and not only do you know where they live, but God, you know the hairs on their head, and Jesus, you know their heart. You know what they're battling with, what they're struggling with, and Jesus, we ask that you would come in and intervene, and if somebody is out there this morning that needs to make you Lord of their life, let them know that they need to repent of their sins and ask you to come into their hearts. God, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace and for your mercy. Save somebody today, Lord. Transform somebody today, Holy Spirit. All power is in your hand. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're gonna ask the ushers to come forward. Go ahead. Holy Spirit, come and sweep over our soul, sweep over our mind, our heart, and refresh us with your presence. God, remove any spirits that where we are broken. Remove those places those dark places in our lives and bring your light there. Flood us this morning with your presence. Smear a fresh oil over us. Smear us with your holy spirit, Jesus. Forgive us of our sins and our transgressions. We need you, God. We live in a world that's filled with destruction. So this moment, this time, we just take refuge in you. Hover over us, Father, as a mother would hover over her birds. Give our peace, give, give our souls peace, Lord Jesus. Father, in the midst of our trials, God, we ask that you would give us new joy, new strength. Because your word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Lord, this morning we ask that you would bless this cup and this wafer as we eat, we ask that you would bring healing to our bodies, healing to our mind, and healing to our spirits. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The scripture says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, while he was eating, Jesus took bread, broke it, gave thanks, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat ye all of it. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whoever drinks this, do it in remembrance of me. Drink ye all of it. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen? Amen. Glory. Glory! Hallelujah!
3: I had something happen to me this week that I kind of like for it to happen because I know the Lord's still in there working on me. But I don't like it because I don't like to get chastised by him. How many of you have been chastised by the Lord before? You know, he spoke something to you. Said, boy, straighten your attitude up. He did that to me this week. Um, We had a board meeting this week uh, on Monday night. And, And during that board meeting, Sister Teresa and I want to just take a moment to just say to the church, we are very blessed to have Sister Teresa Hilliard helping us. She does a fantastic job. It's a lot to keep up with, and she just really, I mean, she brings all those numbers in, and it, it's clear that she, she does a very good job with it. I just want to let her know I appreciate what she does. But she brought in that financial report, and we were looking at the numbers, and we stepped out on, you know, some faith this year with some some of our budgeting, particularly as it relates to missions. And church, we have a vision for our for youth building. We, we've got a lot of things going on with our youth and our young people. And we should always have a vision. But as I looked at it and I had to present kind of the update on where we were with the, with the potential youth building in the future, and then looking at the, the financial report, I began to say, you know, you know we, we can't, I, I'm a very black and white person. I look and say, mm, numbers don't work. They just don't work. And I think that's okay. I think you have to be careful getting too far out the other way, too. <clears throat> but I was saying, look, we can't afford this building right now. It's just too much money. It's this, that, and the other. And we're talking about missions Well, I don't know if we should do this, that, or the other. And God pricked my spirit. And I had to say a prayer before we left because all I could think about was <clears throat> Moses, he couldn't part Red Sea. And David, he couldn't slay Goliath. Peter couldn't walk on water. But they served a God who could. And he really, he really pricked my spirit with that. And I had, to, I had to repent and say, God, forgive me for not operating in faith. As followers of Christ, there comes a time, and all, lots of times we operate in faith, that we serve a big God who's capable of doing what we can't do within ourselves. And so I had to repent of that, and I had to pray and say, God, forgive me. And I have to operate more in faith. And we have to do that sometimes in our lives. And, and many of you have had to do it before in your finances and other things. Operate in faith. That don't mean you go out you know, crazy and do foolish things and then ask God to, to bail you out of it. But when you want to move forward, and particularly you want to build his kingdom, and you may see the numbers don't work, Lord. Well, they may not work in my eyes, but they'll work in his eyes. And as I thought about that, I thought about the story in Matthew 17, 24 through 27. And this is the story where the people who collected the temple tax came to Peter and said, hey, you guys don't pay the temple tax? And Peter said, yeah, yeah, we pay the tax. He didn't know whether they paid the tax or not. And I imagine in his mind he was thinking, I don't have any money to pay the tax. Because the disciples and Jesus, they want, they want wealthy people. They depended on others. So he goes back to the Lord, and the Lord, before he even opens his mouth, says, "Uh, What do you think, Peter? Should we pay the tax? Is the king subject to the tax, or is just the strangers subject to the tax? Are the king's sons subject to it, or the strangers? And Peter said, Well, just the strangers. Peter said, Jesus said, Right. So I really don't have to pay the tax, because I'm the king. But so we don't offend them, I want you to go throw a line out into the water. And I want you to pull up the first fish that comes out, and I want you to open its mouth. And that's what he did. And guess what was in there? The tax. Peter, sure like me, I'm sure he was like old Larry. I ain't got the money to pay the tax, Lord. We ain't got the money. You ain't got the money. Where's it going to come from? It's coming from the fish. So sometimes we have to step out on faith. We have to step out on faith in our own lives. You will have to step out on faith at times in your lives. It's not a matter if you are going to. And you're going to have to step out on faith sometimes when it relates to your finances and you have to step out on, on, we'll have to step out on faith sometimes when it relates to our church and how we go forward. And there'll be more discussion about that at some point in the future. But I just wanted to share that with you, how God had to paddle me a little bit this week to say, hey, you know, don't, don't think that just because everything's not black and white like you should see it, that I'm not, I can't take care of things. And many of you have experienced that. I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll come forward. Father, thank you for your presence that's been here. I thank you that you are a God of the impossible. I thank you, God, that I can still go and kneel my knee before you and my heart before you and seek your face. And you show up and you do miraculous things. You are the God of the impossible. So we just thank you. I want to thank you for the faithfulness of this church, of the people of this church, for a vision in this church. And just for a moment, God, I want to ask that you be supernatural amongst this Bethel Christian Center. That as we go forward and do the things that we're going to do in the future of this church, we'll stand there and say, only God could have done this. Then there's no glory in me, there's no glory in anyone in this room. The glory is yours, as it always will be yours. So I ask it and I ask my brothers and sisters here to join with me and say, God of the miraculous, show up. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Cool. Uh, my name is Jonathan Fisher, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, just finished up my freshman year at NC State. Go pack. Um, And I had the privilege of going on a missions trip in March, and I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you guys for all your support, for your prayers, and all the love. Um, So as I said, I spent a week on a mission trip in San Francisco with Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship. Uh, Chi Alpha is the Christian ministry that I'm part of at NC State. And I know what you're thinking, no, we're not a fraternity. Um, We actually get our name from 2 Corinthians 520, which says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So Christ starts with a C, ambassador starts with an A, Greek is cool, so that's where our name comes from. So Chi Alpha sent six of us to San Francisco, and we spent the week working with a ministry that was already there called San Francisco City Impact. Their goal is to reach the homeless of the city, especially those who live in the worst area, which is known as the Tenderloin District. The Tenderloin District has the densest population of homeless in America. There are over 6,000 people in an area that is uh, not much larger than one square mile. It, um, city Impact is an extremely important presence on the streets of the city. It runs a rescue mission, a Christian school, a food pantry, a thrift store, and the only church in the Tenderloin. If it were not for City Impact, many homeless in San Francisco would never hear the good news. So while we were in the city, most of what we did fell into two categories construction and then missions. City Impact had recently bought a new building uh, which they were constructing to, for housing for their volunteers. Uh, city Impact Commonly has short-term missionaries like the group from Chi Alpha, which come and help them out for a little bit. So I spent three days detailing and painting buildings, so just beating up the floor for Jesus. So, it was... and I also painted the wall and my head and my clothes and my shoes and my face. So, but in addition to painting myself, we spent lots of time directly ministering to the homeless and the residents living in low-income housing. Probably my favorite thing we did was called Adopt-A-Building, In Adopt-A-Building, City Impact sends some of its staff to different low-income housing uh, buildings in the Tenderloin and brings the residents food. The same staff members go to the same buildings every single week, so the girl that I went with, she knew all of the residents in that building. She knew uh, everything about their lives, and she knew their prayer requests before they even asked, so we were able to talk with them and pray for them and tell them about Jesus. In addition to adopt a building, we were able to do street ministry, which is exactly what it sounds like. We just walked around on the streets and walked up to people and told them about Jesus. Uh, some people were not very receptive to the gospel, but you never know what seeds were planted. Other people were extremely receptive. I remember there's this one gentleman who walked up to me, and before I could even say anything, he said, I'm scared that when, I'm go- that when I die, I'm going to go to hell. So I really needed Jesus' help for that one because I was like, man, this guy is super forward. But I was able to tell him about Jesus and how Jesus loves him. Jesus is the only way to salvation. And then a group of us were able to pray for him and help put him at peace. I don't know if he ever accepted Jesus, but now he knows there's a church right where he lives. So Um, That's the basic synopsis of what we did. City Impact took great care of us that week. They gave us a place to stay. They provided all our meals. The food was really good, but it was very healthy. Um... There was one time I took a big dish of what I thought was chicken. It was covered in this orange sauce, so I thought it was going to be really good. And then I took a bite, and it was cauliflower. And I had to eat it all because it would have been rude if I didn't. So, but it was an amazing week, and I just have three brief, brief things that I learned that I want to share with you guys. Uh, the first thing I learned is that God's love is for everyone, even those in the hard-to-reach places. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. The residents of San Francisco count as all people. Your co-workers count as all people. The people you go to school with count as all people. So which leads into point number two. Every follower of Jesus is called to evangelize, even if you are not called to be a missionary. Your coworker needs to know who Jesus is. The people you go to school with need to know who Jesus is. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? It is our job to tell these people. And before I went to San Francisco, I did not think that evangelism was something for me. I did not think it was important. I thought there are plenty of pastors and missionaries who are already evangelizing. Um, but Jesus says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. We are those workers. So even if you are not called to go to San Francisco or go to Mali, you are still called to tell people about Jesus. That brings me to the third thing I'd like to share with you guys. Evangelism is not as hard as you are afraid that it is. I was terrified before we started street ministry, not going to lie. I was standing in the building and shaking. I had no idea what to expect. I thought people were going to be mean, angry, and rude, and I thought they would just reject us. But once you break, break past that first awkward moment and just say hello to someone, people love to talk. They love to talk about Jesus, even if they don't believe in Jesus. Um, one thing that's important to remember, it is not your job to save people. It's just your job to tell them who Jesus is and that he loves them. If someone comes to Christ because you evangelize to them, that is great. And you know what? If they reject you to your face, that's okay too. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus loves those those who are lost, so let's get out there and tell them. So that's all for me. So thank you again, guys, so much for all your prayers and all your support, because I could not have gone without the support of this church. So thank you, guys.
4: Thank you, Jonathan. Wow. He sounds like a seasoned minister. And I'm sure mom and dad and the family and especially all those that have been part of his ministry like Michael and Christy are very proud of him. And Colin, we're so proud of the youth of this church. And, you know, one of the things that that I was thinking about as uh, Jonathan was talking, how it helps us to focus And a lot of times anybody would like for us to get off focus and focus on things maybe that we shouldn't focus on or maybe things that's lesser important. But God wants us to focus on the right things. I was going to say this uh, before I uh, talked a little bit today and sung a few songs. Uh, I was going to say this at the end, but I'll say it because I feel like Jonathan has led me into it. And that is, uh, I believe that the uh, embassy the USA embassy being put in Jerusalem has a very spiritual connotation to it uh, Jensen Franklin uh, wrote about a year ago before it was even accomplished some things that I thought was was very important and uh, he said that the city where Jesus was crucified it was the city where Jesus was crucified on the cross, the city where he was laid in the tomb and rose from the grave. It was the city in which he showed himself to uh, so many people over a 40-day period, the city where many, pe- many believe Abraham brought Isaac up to Mount Moriah and passed God's test in faith or of faith. The city where King Solomon built the magnificent temple, declaring it a house of prayer for all nations. A city where Isaiah envisioned as the world's center, uh, where the nations would beat their swords into plowshares and learn more, war rather, no more. This city where Jesus wept. That was, it's just a significant city. And I don't believe it's by chance that this past Monday, that, that the United States moved its uh, embassy to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, some more significant things about it. The significance of Jerusalem to Christians cannot be separated from the significance of Jerusalem to the Jewish people. Their history is our history. We are intertwined through our Old Testament scriptures and spiritual legacy their biblical examples are our biblical examples and we share this heritage in Jerusalem as our spiritual capital while Israel also legally proclaims it as her national capital their national history has become certainly our spiritual history and the reason i wanted to mention that is because that i want us to to focus today uh, after I finish what I've got to say and sing a, a few songs, I want us to be able to focus beyond the four walls of this church and beyond the ministry of this church other than missionaries and and things because there's a, there's a whole world out there, as Jonathan just said, and whether you go to the West Coast or wherever you go, there is a need. There is a great need. And so... Uh, it's a challenge, it is a challenge.